Acts chapter 17, starting at verse 16 through to 32. That's on page 984 in the Church Bible. While Paul was waiting for them in Athens, he was deeply distressed when he saw that the city was full of idols. So he reasoned in the synagogue with the Jews and with those who worshipped God, as well as in the marketplace every day with those who happened to be there. Some of the Epicurean and Stoic philosophers also debated with him. Some said, what is this ignorant show-off trying to say? Others replied, he seems to be a preacher of foreign deities because he was telling the good news about Jesus and the resurrection. They took him and brought him to the Areopagus and said, may we learn about this new teaching you are presenting? Because what you say sounds strange to us and we want to know what these things mean. Now all the Athenians and the foreigners residing there spent their time on nothing else but telling or hearing something new. Paul stood in the middle of the Areopagus and said, People of Athens, I see that you are extremely religious in every respect. For as I was passing through and observing the objects of your worship, I even found an altar on which was inscribed to an unknown God. Therefore, what you worship in ignorance, this I proclaim to you. The God who made the world and everything in it, he is Lord of heaven and earth, does not live in shrines made by hands. Neither is he served by human hands as though he needed anything, since he himself gives everyone life and breath and all things. From one man he has made every nationality to live over the whole earth and has determined their appointed times and the boundaries of where they live. He did this so that they might seek God and perhaps they might reach out and find him, though he is not far from each one of us. For in him we live and move and have our being, as even some of your own poets have said, for we are also his offspring. Since we are God's offspring then, we shouldn't think that the divine nature is like gold or silver or stone, an image fashioned by human art and imagination. Therefore, having overlooked the times of ignorance, God now commands all people everywhere to repent because he has set a day when he is going to judge the, whole, ju- judge the world in righteousness by the man he has appointed. He has provided proof of this to everyone by raising him from the dead. When they heard about the resurrection of the dead, some began to ridicule him, but others said, we'd like to hear from you about again about this. Thank you. Can I thank Davo and the Musos for being here this apple? See how quickly I adapt. Um, Sorry, who was at the men's thing here? Who was at the men's thing? Okay. Great stuff. Now, you guys, I'm watching you because you'll be tired and if you fall asleep, I'm just warning you, uh, I'm not afraid to point you out, name and shame you. Uh, We had uh, a young preacher, and I'm not saying this about young preachers here, 
but young preachers in Scotland tend to be a wee bit arrogant and think that they're God's gift to the church and everyone's going to listen to them and so on. At least I was like that. And uh, he went off to preach in one of our Scottish islands. And the minister said, it's great to have you. I just need to warn you, there's two old men who will sit at the front and during your sermon they'll fall asleep. And the young man said, they'll not fall asleep during my sermon. So anyway, he starts preaching. Both of them fall asleep, first one, then the other. And he's weighing. He's thumping the pulpit. He's doing yelling. He's doing everything. Until one of them opens his eyes. And he stops. He said, you, you, wake your friend up. And the old man, sharp as a tack, said, no, you wake him up. It was you that put him to sleep. <laughs> so, so, um, I hope I don't put you to sleep. Look, let's go to Acts 17. And I do want us to have uh, time to question. So I'll tell you what, I'll take off my watch and break the habit of a lifetime and actually look at it. Um, and, <coughs> forgive me, I want us to just think in terms of the real Jesus and can connecting with Jesus. Now, let, let me explain just a little bit of background here and then kind of a, almost like a few bullet points and then maybe we can have some questions and so on. Athens was like Orange. It was a center of politics, religion, culture, and philosophy. It's just people from Sydney didn't recognize that. Um, it's arguably Athens, the birthplace of Western democracy, music, ethics, theater, and medicine. It only at this point had about 12,000 people. And they were greatly concerned because people were moving away and they were heading off to uh, Corinth and other places. A bit like the past few years, a lot of people in Sydney have moved away, come to Orange, gone to Newcastle, or other places as well. Now Paul, he wanders around, he sees what's happening, and he goes and meets with uh, a group of Epicurean Stoic philosophers. If you've got a Bible, it's verse 18. Who were they? Why? This is not a history lesson. This is actually really important because... The Epicureans and the Stoics are here. There's lots in Orange, and you might be an Epicurean or a Stoic, and all of us are influenced by it. So who are they? Well, the Epicureans were based on the atomic physics of Democritus. We think, oh yeah, physics, that's all kind of relatively new. No, it's not. It's not new at all. Democritus worked out the atoms and so on. And the Epicureans developed a philosophy which basically, this was about... 400 years before this, so this is about 341 uh, to 270 BC, they were materialists, and they said everything is just chance and pleasure. Um, Epicureans in Orange will be the people who live in the nice areas of Orange and have got plenty of money and do four overseas holidays per year and like fine wine and everything else. And the idea of even going to church except for a funeral is ridiculous because you know, we're mega intelligent people. We don't believe in God, even though we've never even thought about it. But that's that's where the Epicureans are at. The Stoics, named after Zeno, the year 340 to 265 BC, they um, spoke about reason within the universe. They f said that the world was divine, but they're most famous for being fatalistic. So they would go, you know, sera, sera, whatever will be, will be. I, they were very traditional. I ministered in a, in a rural community, and fisher folk, the fishermen, were very uh, superstitious with things. 
you know, and, and things will be what things will be. And you just shrug your shoulders, and that's the way it is. And Paul deals with both of them, and it's very interesting. You'll know what he does. Um, he doesn't keep saying the Bible says. Because if you're not a Christian and you're here, for, for you, the Bible seems to be largely irrelevant. I would argue it isn't. But I accept that for you it is irrelevant. You don't read it every day. You don't use guide your life by it. But what Paul does is, <clears throat> without saying chapter and verse, he actually just says what the Bible says. Now, I'm not going to have a look at everything he says, uh, because it would take an awful lot of time. There are some people who comment on this who think it wasn't a very good sermon. Um, it doesn't fit their idea of what a good sermon should be. It doesn't say anything about the cross, for example. And it doesn't really say a huge amount about Jesus. But we don't have the whole discussion here, because he would have been there for several hours. And he does talk about Jesus and Jesus and the resurrection. Now, they accuse Paul of being a babbler, literally a seed picker, a plagiarizer, a man who just Googled things and put them up as his own words and proof. You know, as Abraham Lincoln said, everything you read on the internet isn't true. So take your time. Um, they made a very serious charge against him. This doesn't seem a serious charge. He said, you are advocating foreign gods. Now, some of you will know of a guy called Socrates, who almost 500 years earlier was executed by being forced to drink a cup of poison for precisely that crime, for advocating foreign gods in this very court, in this very place. They misunderstood Paul. They thought he was speaking about two different gods, a man called Jesus and a goddess called Anastasia. And if anyone, I think Anastasia is such a beautiful name, and it's just Greek for the resurrection. One other thing, and this is the intro, and there are 10 points, so you're going to say, how are you going to do this within the time? But Greg's getting worried, but we'll get there. Um, this is deep stuff, right? John Stott says that many people are rejecting our gospel today, not because they perceive it to be false, but because they perceive it to be trivial. You come into a church, and I don't, I don't know why you come. And there's 101 different reasons, but one of the reasons that I hope do come is you're looking for answers and then it seems so trivial at times it seems so pathetic it seems so disconnected from reality well Paul wasn't there this was in in the words of uh, I was gonna say people from Katumba uh, old hippies this is heavy stuff man this is heavy heavy stuff so what does he say? He gives 10 things that point to Christ. That's one of the things that's really important. You are not usually going to get a knockdown argument from a Christian that makes you, oh yeah, of course, I'm going to believe that. But you will get lots of things that point you. And that's what Paul does here. Now, the one that I'm going to focus most on, the rest I'm really just going to mention, is in verse 22 and 23, Religion. I see, men of people of Athens, I see that in every way you are very religious. Oh, I'm not religious. I'm not into religion. No, we're not religious. Lots of people say that. The campaign during the last Australian census by uh, the atheists and the secularists was to get people to say no religion. Well, do you know what? As a Christian, sometimes I describe myself as not religious. Religious. 
And the early Christians, they were accused by the Greeks of being atheists because they didn't have temples, they really didn't have clergy and priests, and they didn't sacrifice animals. And they were accused of being atheists, which I, th I find highly amusing uh, as well, but that was, that was the case. But when we talk about religion, let me just put it this way. Forget all the prejudices and attitudes you may have and what you think about religion. You, you, we can discuss that. But it's that sense of something other which is expressed in a religious form in human society and the human heart. And here's the thing. My, I'm a historian. There has never been a single society that is not religious. Never in humanity. We tried in the 20th century. We tried I think in Nazi Germany, we certainly tried in Stalin's Russia, we tried in China, and in Kampuchea, and Albania, and it's the most murderous human century ever. It didn't work. Paul doesn't begin, you see, with an attempt to prove the existence of God. Why? It's impossible. How can you prove that? How can you disprove it? What he does is he begins with God and he proclaims God. And in this church, what we do is we, we, we proclaim Christ. We tell you about Christ. I remember one lady, she said to me, I'm, I'm going to go to church. I'm going to come. And she told her neighbor. And her neighbor said, oh, don't go with them. They're really weird. I don't know what people think about you or what people in Orange think about OEC. But if you're having any impact at all, there'll be plenty of people who think you are weird. You know, and some of you really are weird. And so you confirm that. But... There is a, uh, I wasn't looking at anyone, don't be offended. Um, but they, they do, they think that. And this lady was told that and she said, no, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give them six weeks because it's not fair one week. I'm going to go for six weeks and see what all this is about. Anyway, she came and she went back to her friend and she, the friend said, are you, you going to go for the six weeks? She said, absolutely not. She said, I told you so. No, no, no. She said, I I'm going for life. I'm going for life. He said, that's what I've been looking for all my life. Now, that's actually very unusual. Not impossible. Sometimes people come and people go, and I hope that this is a church that's open to people coming, testing things out, going away. They're not going to jump on you. They're not going to try and convert you because they can't convert you. It's only God who can do that. You're going to have space and freedom. But we're going to tell you about Christ. And here's something I want you to, uh, to ask as a question. Why has there never been a non-religious human society? And why, when we've tried it, has it been a disaster? C.S. Lewis puts it in a beautiful way. He says this. He says, you have an appetite for food. Why? Because there's such a thing as food. You have an appetite for sex. Why? Because there's such a thing as sex. Why do human beings have an appetite for God? Because he's there. Because we know See, people say we indoctrinate children. That's absolute rubbish. Every child is born a theist. Even Richard Dawkins, citing a child psychologist, Elizabeth Kelman, says that every child is innately a, crea a creationist. Because a child looks and goes, there's something that's been made, someone must have made it. It takes years of indoctrination to be stupid enough as an adult to say, oh, no, no, there's art, but there's no artist. So we know there's a sense of God within every one of us. And this is what atheism is. It is not a revelation of the truth. It's a suppression of the truth. See, we have that sense of God. People say, oh, you only believe because your parents brought you up that way. 
Actually, maybe you only disbelieve because your parents brought you up that way. Remember, we, we did this thing called Christianity Explored, and I remember a, a young man coming in, and I was asking people, why did you come? And he says, oh, I'm an atheist. I said, well, that's great to have you here. Why are you here? He said, well, I am an atheist. I was brought up an atheist. My parents are atheists. My grandparents were atheists. I live in an atheist society. Um, but I'm beginning to have my doubts. And I said, I love backslidden atheists. This is great. You know, it's not just Christians who have doubts. Sometimes, actually, people grow up in a church, and it's good that they, they, they think about things. They, they're not sure if they believe. They leave. And sometimes it's good that that happens because then they start thinking about things again and come back and get into it properly. I saw, uh, I listened to a podcast, um, and by the way, let me say about podcasts, uh, I, my main one is one called The Weefly, and there's a story about why I'm called The Weefly, <clears throat> but that's basically uh, music and art and culture from a Christian perspective. But I listened to a podcast where a man stated that as a child he instinctively believed in God, but it was only when he discovered his parents were atheists that he became a firm materialist. James Robertson is a Scottish writer who wrote a wonderful book called The Testimony of Gideon Mack, which is about um, uh, a minister who beats the devil. Uh, Robertson is uh, an atheist, and I went to hear him speak, and I, this woman stood up and said, you know that scene where Gideon Mack meets the devil? She said, I, I'm an atheist. She said, but did he really meet the devil? I'm going, it's a novel. Come on. You know, it's like, is Harry Potter real? And Robert, and then she said, do you believe? And he said, no, no, no. He said, I'm an atheist. I don't believe in God. But he said, I'm a Presbyterian atheist. And he says, you know what that means? He says, I don't believe that God is there, but I keep looking over my shoulder in case he is. Now, I don't know what an Anglican atheist is or a Catholic atheist or a, you know, I don't know, an orange atheist, I, I, I don't know. But there's just something there. Paul, there were all these statues, Apollos, Jupiter, Venus, Mercury, Diana, all the gods of Olympus. It's very interesting, in that culture, in ordinary Greek thought, there was a radical separation between matter and spirit. No god could participate in matter and still be divine. And Paul comes and says, hang on a minute, I'm telling you about God who became incarnate. Who became human. He t talks about Jesus. Because here's the thing. I'm not arguing for religion. I actually think religion is very often a curse. I think religion does a great deal of harm. And I think Karl Marx was right. About religion being the opiate of the people. In many ways. I think that religion points to Christ. But I'm not saying that all religions are different paths to the same God. Paul challenges that. The fact that we have religion points to our need for God, but most religions take us away from God, which is why the Bible says far more about false religion than it does about atheism. In fact, let me go even further and say this. Man's religions are his greatest crimes. Paul is doing an amazing thing. He's standing. I've stood where Paul stood. We've got the exact spot where he made this speech. And behind it... It's just a great temple. Nicopolis and everything all around as well. And Paul, basically, he looks up at that and says, you spent billions on this and you've wasted your money because God doesn't live in temples built by human hands. 
he, he, he had nerves of steel, that man. Daniel Denk, who's a student worker, walking around, I think it was Sydney Uni, maybe, no, I can't remember. He said this, Men and women of the university, I see that in every way you are very religious. As I walked around the university, I observed carefully your objects of worship. I saw your altar called the stadium where many of you worship the sports deity. Um, that we do. We get very well. I was just seeing that Manchester City, some of their players get paid $600,000 per week. Why? Because they're treated like gods. You know, there is that. And, you know, I was joking with the guys about AFL. I made a mistake. I told them many moons ago when I was down in Melbourne, I joked about the poor quality of Melbourne coffee and how rubbish AFL was. And I, I'm pretty sure I was immensely grateful to get out of there alive because these were their idols, but we have different idols. So Dane goes on, he says, I see the stadium where many of you worship the sports deity. I saw the science building where many place their faith for the salvation of mankind. I found an altar to the fine arts where artistic expression and performance in a COVID-safe way seemed to reign supreme without subservience to any greater power. I walked through your residence halls and observed your own sex goddess posters and beer can pyramids. Yet as I walked with some of you and saw the emptiness in your eyes and sensed the aching in your hearts, I perceived that in your heart is another altar, an altar to the unknown God who you suspect may be there. You have a sense that there is something more than these humanistic and self-indulgent gods. What you long for is something I know unknown. I want to declare to you. See, there's something inside you that says there's got to be more than this crap life. And there's got to be more. Even when things are going well, there's got to be more. And there is more. People keep chasing and looking. You know, so I know kind of business people, lawyers, executives who I work with in the CBD. So they decide, oh, I tell you what, let's go out to the Blue Mountains. We'll get a new life and it'll all be wonderful. And that doesn't work, so let's go to Orange. And it'll all be wonderful. We'll go to Orange and it is all wonderful. And then it's not so wonderful. You know, or if I get, you know, married. If only I got married, everything would be wonderful. You get married, it's not that wonderful. Oh, if only we had kids. And then at three o'clock in the morning, you think, why did we do this? <laughs> you know, and then just loads and loads and loads of stuff. Even the stuff that we all enjoy that's so good. The fact is, it's all temporary. And none of it satisfies. None of it. And this church exists to tell you that that God-shaped hole that you have in your life can be filled only by God. And you know him through Jesus Christ. So I will just list the other things uh, and then we will, I can't remember what we're going to do. I think we're going to go into the questions, but I'll bow to a higher authority. Um, look, creation points to Christ. We were up at the, wherever we were, where were we? Ridgecrest, which I, I, I got up in the morning. I was, you know, a bit tired and everything. I got up in the morning, half six, the mist rising over the lake. Phenomenal. Absolutely phenomenal. That was the reason I tried really hard to be an atheist. Was the reason I couldn't be an atheist. Because I just thought, no, no, this has got to be. So creation points to Christ. Uh, life points to Christ. Verse 25. He's the sustainer of life. How can you... Why does life exist at all? That's a far bigger question than how it evolved. Number 
Four, history points to Christ. Verse 26 says that God is the ruler of history. I, read, I, I, I am a historian. I love reading history. And it just amazes me how it, it points us towards God. The arts point to Christ. Verse 28, Paul uses poetry. He cites Aratus and Cleanthes. Aratus was from his own city, Tarsus. We often express truth we do not know. I remember going to a concert and hearing Leonard Cohen sing. And I just thought, my goodness, if you are not a Christian, you are so close, mate. It was brilliant what he sang. Nick uh, Cave. My goodness, that guy. He's my, he's my favorite Australian. Just, I, I just think he's utterly brilliant. And the, 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 the pain that he expresses about the death of his son. And the beauty of how he's looking for answers. By the way, I love what he said. He said, are you, are you spiritual? He says, no, I can't be bothered with being spiritual. That's a waste of time. I want to be religious. I want to be, you know, I want something solid and not just being vaguely spiritual. But the arts point to Christ. Existential angst points to Christ. What I, that, that's what I mean by the God-shaped hole. God has made everything beautiful at its time, said Ecclesiastes 3.20. But he has laid a tremendous burden upon human beings because we do not understand it. We don't fathom it. We don't grasp it. Human beings point to Christ. You and I are made in the image of God. As every human being is utterly astonishing. Sin points to Christ. The, the injustice and the wrong and, and, and the bad things that are inside us and the things that we do, they all confirm what the Bible says. Justice points to Christ. The child that says that's not fair, the child is often right. And the resurrection points to Christ. Apollo said, once a man dies and the earth drinks up his blood, there is no resurrection. Don't think that these people were all a bunch of daft pagans who um, just believed anything. They didn't. They didn't believe in the resurrection. And here's the interesting thing. When Paul mentioned the resurrection, they said, oh, you know, they scoffed, they laughed. But notice what happened. Some said, let's take more. Let's hear more. It takes time. And you need to, don't make a judgment based just on one thing that you hear. You need to take your time investigate this because this is this is heavy this is really serious this is really important but some believed they were convinced straight away Deniosius, a, a member of the Areopagus the leading council Eusebius says he became the first bishop of Athens Damaris a prominent woman in the city if you're not a Christian I want you to consider some of the things that have been said here and consider your own relationship with Christ and find out. And I'll finish by saying, if you are a Christian, wasn't Paul amazing? He could speak to the religious in the synagogue, to passers-by in the city square, and philosophers in the council. Church, cafe, and college, he could do it. And to do that, he had to think, he had to be real, he had to be filled with the Spirit, he had to be compassionate. He didn't answer Athens with a program. There was no point in him going and saying, I want to tell you about the three points about how you get to heaven. Or when you die, on what basis will God let you into heaven? Because they didn't believe in God or heaven. What's the point of talking to people about stuff that they have no concept for? Well, we've got to tell people about Jesus and we've got to show people Jesus. You know, I would say this to almost, I mean, certainly to the men. If you weren't a non-Christian man, I would say if you'd been with us this weekend, you would have seen in the relationships of the men and you would have seen in the beauty of the creation something that's impossible to explain without Christ. That's what we want. That's what we want in this church as well. So God bless his word to you, to me, to all of us.
Um, what are we doing now? Said here. Yeah, I'll stop. <laughs>